the final milestone, which is like the part where I'm just like in a Photoshop file with maybe 200 layers and I'm just staring at it, you know, painting. That's like, I love doing that part. That's my favorite part. And I'm so grateful that I've been able to somehow like change the way that the business works so that I can focus on those parts. Welcome to Step Into the Sandbox, a conversational journey through the minds of creatives. Step into the worlds they create as we unpack the roots and elements of their creative process. I'm your host, David Verhano, and this is episode four of the podcast. Today's guest is Aziz Bakari, a visualization artist specializing in 3D renderings, photography, and drone videography. Aziz has worked with the likes of Airbnb, Nike, and Red Bull, as well as high-profile architecture firms, including Bjork Ingels Group and Architectonica. I sat down with Aziz back in November 2019 to discuss his craft, his journey from New York to Ohio to D.C. and now Miami, as well as a little bit about architecture and what he's working on these days. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Do you have anything for breakfast today? Water. (laughs) (laughs) Are you currently fasting or is that something that you just didn't have breakfast today? It's a typical thing for me. I actually, uh, I try to start my day with like a liter of water, just like before I eat anything. Um, But no, I'm not fasting, but I should (laughs) soon. So what's your ideal breakfast? Ideal breakfast, um, I would just say like maybe a few scrambled eggs, some spinach, Grip tomatoes and a little bit of salmon. Yeah. Got you. One question that I asked Sin Lagos, but yeah. you're gonna have the same answer for it was if we were to open your trunk, what's uh-huh. three things we would find? But you just told me you don't have a car. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I guess if I I guess I'll say like my closet, just three things that I always have. Um well, I have a scooter, like one of those lift scooters, but I bought my own. Um Definitely uh, some sort of photography accessory, whether it's like a lens or like a moment case. Um, let's see, a third thing. Mm, probably another photography accessory because I'm just always like looking, you know, looking out for visual opportunities. Um, but instead of saying like that, I'll say like a pat my passport because I'm always like wanting to travel, go somewhere. Got it. So I'll kind of read through the description you have on your website, and then you can kind of take us through if anything's updated or if there's anything that we're missing that they should know about you. So we're here with Aziz Bakari, a high-quality visualization artist using the latest technologies in 3D CGI photography and drone videography to reveal sophisticated and luxe imagery. Aziz pushes the boundaries of computer-generated visuals by capturing the natural light in architecture, space, and time to produce a real-life photorealistic experience. Is there anything in there that people don't know about you or that you want to add on? Um, that's pretty much what I do. That's what I'm passionate about. Um, but I do many more things. Like I do um, a lot of things that are focused on visualization. In addition to that bio that you read, I'm also really involved with um, Google. 
Um, I'm an ambassador with like Sin, um, with Team Pixel and some of the Google products, but they're such a good company that like helps me uh, push my vision. Like they they provide awesome tools for me to do that. Um, and I mean, really, that's what I feel like my passion is. It's about visualization, like showing how beautiful the world can be through visualization um, and how beautiful it is. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much my professional, you know, bio. That's what I'm focused on. When people have no idea who I am, they want to learn more about me. You know, those are the things that I'm really focused on and passionate about. Um, and I'm really excited to said I would love to start teaching more, which is something we can talk about later. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So I noticed also that you've worked with some pretty impressive clients over the past few years, some of them including like Bjork Engels, uh, mm-hmm. BIG Group, uh, mm-hmm. Terra Group down here. Is there any specific client projects that you really uh, have enjoyed or, or stand out in your career so far? Uh, yes. A lot of the projects that I'm working on right now um, – are actually just through a lot of referrals and um, friends through school and and just you know job connections. Um, a lot of the things I'm working on right now, I can't speak about the details, but um, there are a lot of projects that are really exciting. Um, I would say, hmm, I'm trying to think if there's something I can share. There's one that I'm working on um, with uh, Ink Architecture and also New Guard uh, Group. New Guard Development Group, as well as Pearlstone Partners. There is a new concept with Airbnb. They are um, pretty much renting out rooms with the opportunity to have those rooms managed by Airbnb. So it's like a hotel with uh, management by Airbnb. So that's something that's kind of, it's full circle for me because I'm actually like an Airbnb host, experience host. So to work with Airbnb and then also the developers, but as a totally different role, like a new perspective as a 3D artist rather than a photographer. It's really crazy how all of them have just come together, you know, full circle. So that's something I'm really excited to be working on. And it's, you know, it's here in Miami too, which is great. Um, In Austin, Texas, I think a couple other locations. Nice. Mm -hmm. So what drew you to this field, um, you know, specifically the architectural focus in your work? Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that you grew up being fascinated by or you found out later on in life? Um, with architecture, actually, it, it found me through a high school course, uh, a drafting course. Um, growing up, I was always passionate about um, kind of like graphic design and I wanted to communicate ideas visually, but I never had an idea of wanting to become an architect really until college. Um, in high school, I took a drafting course and I was pretty good at drawing, you know, and I was pretty good at math. So I figured, like, what else to do besides become an architect? <laughs> so, you know, I, I went into school um, wanting to do graphic design instead, though, because I felt that, you know, I, would, I didn't want to follow what my family's industry was, which is engineering. So um, what I ended up doing was I went into college as a visual communication design major. The next day I switched to architecture because it was just too conceptual. Um, and throughout that program, um, I really, I just learned so much about myself and how to think critically. And um, through that architectural program at Ohio State, 
I learned that I was more passionate about like communicating ideas. So I used that visual communication minor to kind of push my design ideas. And then that started to become my passion, you know, showcasing my work. I wasn't really too excited about designing buildings, but I love to like just showcase my idea through my boards, you know, through renderings and through my elevation drawings and section drawings. Um, and it just continued to grow. Um, throughout my career, it's been pretty exciting. <laughs> Very cool. So when did you realize, was it at that moment that you realized this was something that was your calling when you made that switch or was it a little bit further down the road? It was a little bit further down the road actually. Um, so getting into the architecture program, I really didn't know what I was doing. I just did not want to quit. You know, I, I figured I switched to this, you know, and I, I just want to stay with something, stick with something. And, um, you know, I kept going with it. And about my third year in was around the time, like, I felt that I was on the right track. You know, after the first year, I made it in. The second year, I didn't do too well. I actually got uh, a C, my first C in college, which was a big deal for me <laughs> at the time, <laughs> um, which was the same grade one of my classmates got who dropped out halfway through the quarter. So that was like, pretty depressing so I, I just figured it was time to make a change I needed to figure out what I was doing learn more about studio courses it was just really challenging and um, once I got into that third year things changed for me <clears throat> I got my first like 4.0 in in the uh, quarter and things just kept getting better and I started to understand more about what I was doing it was more so my mindset versus just um me trying to do something, <clears throat> I was trying to do something not for myself. I was really trying to do what other people wanted me to do. So, you know, once I realized that, I started to change my mindset and change what I wanted to do, and that allowed me to start finding my own passions. And um, so, yeah, during that third year was pretty much the time that I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be a business owner at some point. Um I knew I needed to get experience with architecture because to be a licensed architect, you need a lot of practice. You need a lot of experience. You need like internships. And it was a challenge to get that as well. So I finally, you know, after getting out of school, I got my got a, a part-time job. And I mean, long story short, I ended up getting my first uh, job in D.C., which was um, a rendering position doing literally using the same software I was using in school. So that was like a dream come true. So that was like the moment I knew I was really doing what I was loving and it was perfect. Awesome. Yeah. And I guess as part of your career industry, you have to travel a lot and I'm sure you enjoy traveling for leisure as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I noticed that you were in Tokyo, Amsterdam, Paris. Mm -hmm. uh, is there any specific city that really calls to you with their level of architectural excellence or you know the way that they've designed some of those cities is there any one or two that really stand out to you yeah you named a couple um amsterdam was mind-blowing to me you know it had a small resemblance to when i went to venice you know with with architecture and like water canals and um just like the gabled roofs and being in amsterdam like i was blown away. I've never really been that close to the, that type of architecture. I loved it. Um, 
it was a change of uh, of weather as well with the cold weather and like seeing how their climate changes how they design. Um, that was something I really enjoyed to experience. Another city um, which I loved was Tokyo. I just came back a, a few months ago, a couple months ago, and that that's just one of the first places I've been where the actual architecture shines in the night more than it does in the day for me. And, you know, being out on the streets, it's it's like the architecture serves several purposes, not just being structure, you know, not just being art, but it's actually, you know, wayfinding. And it's just like, it's a new, it's a new way of life over there for me. The culture was more shocking, but the architecture was also like stood out a lot to me. Um, I'm definitely a, a person who's quite minimal when it comes to like my style of architecture and interior design. But, you know, being in Tokyo, like that was it's like mind blowing for me. More so the culture, but the architecture was also great. Yeah. Get you. And if we were to shift our attention to Miami and its current state in architecture, what about it do you appreciate and what about it do you feel it's lacking or needs to be improved? Mm, that's a good question. Miami, I do like what's going on right now with, you know, the architectures that I'm that I'm drawn to. You know, you have Zaha Hadid's 1000 Museum, which is pretty like groundbreaking for our skyline. Um, and then you have the whole Art Deco vibe on South Beach. That's what I'm really appreciative of is that Art Deco architecture over there on Miami Beach. Um, down in, you know, Brickell area, in downtown area, you have like the high rises, which the architecture there, it's not as exciting for me. Um, but I am really liking what people are doing with these interiors in terms of like where I'm actually in Wynwood right now. There's an amazing building, Wynwood 25. The interiors are incredible, um, done by Meshburg Group. Um, there's just a lot of new designs going on. I feel like a lot of the architecture in in Miami and in Wynwood is is kind of built just for growth. Unfortunately, like it's just being there's just structures being built. I feel like there should be some more focus on the quality of the architecture. You know, when I go, I just went to um where was I just at? Uh, I just seen like one amazing museum. I think his name is uh, David Chipperfield. My friend took me there. And just like attention to detail and quality, like I'm very passionate about those things. I feel like some of that is lacking in Miami. Um, I would like to see more examples of that. And yeah, in terms of other things lacking, um, I feel like there should be more attention paid, um, yeah, more attention paid uh, to uh, what is going on with, you know, our sea level rise. I have a really good friend, uh, Aaron DeMeo, who's really focused on that in his architectural practice called uh, Future Vision Studios. And I would love to see more people doing what he's doing, focused on what's going to happen in our future of Miami. I'm not from Miami, but I've been here now for six years, so I call it home. And, you know, I'm really trying to be involved in the community and the growth. So being in Wynwood area now, I feel very excited, but also responsible in in a sense to 
just do things for the community and help build it with my visualization background and my skills and business. So that's something I'm actually focused on too. Very cool. And you just mentioned that you moved to Miami six year six years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, where were you originally from, and how? What drew you to Miami? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I was actually born in Staten Island, New York. I moved from there when I was four to Ohio. Uh, my dad got a couple of engineering jobs, and so we moved a lot. And I was mostly raised in Ohio. I went to college in Ohio and two different high schools in Ohio. And uh, after that, I moved to Washington, D.C. for my first job. And then um, I moved to Miami Beach for my second job. And I've been here since, you know, it's I have no reason to leave. And when I do travel, it's always like a great place to come back to. Mm-hmm. Cool. And in terms, let's talk a little bit about your craft, mm-hmm. creative process and what you do. How much of what you do is solo and kind of bury your head into the the laptop or the book or whatever mm-hmm. it is and you know go and do your thing on your own versus mm-hmm. collaboration because mm-hmm. i know that creatives across the board it's a, a shifting kind of sliding scale mm-hmm. so how much of your work is very like individual and solo versus collaborative uh, i would say first off with my business um Everything that leaves the business, like it comes from me. I do work with a team. I'm trying to even build that right now. Um, Our milestone process, we have a three milestone process for our renderings. Um, And so the first two milestones are more so like building the foundation. I manage all three, but those first two milestones are more technical, repetitive processes. The final milestone, which is like the part where I'm just like in a Photoshop file with maybe 200 layers and I'm just staring at it, you know, painting. That's like, I love doing that part. That's my favorite part. And I'm so grateful that I've been able to somehow like change the way that the business works so that I can focus on those parts. Um, When it comes to, you know, uh, let's see, more visualization when it comes to um, drones, videography, I'm so grateful to work with a company called uh, Cortez Group, which is a full service agency. I play my role as a cinematographer, um, but I also work with the director of photography. You know, I work with the project managers. So we're working together to create the visual. While I am creating it, while I am flying the drone, I get awesome guidance and feedback from the team to figure out, you know, maybe this would be a great shot. We all collaborate and, and like, communicate, which I love that part. Um, But when it comes to renderings and direct photography, I'm mostly, like, just in it. You know, I'm I'm in another world when I'm creating, you know, and it's it's a lot of fun for me. Um, I just love doing that. And I'm just, again, like super grateful to be creating, doing what I love, um, working as hard as I can, focusing on quality and that passion of like creating the visuals and showing how good things can be and how good they are. Cool. So when you're, let's say, let's focus on a rendering. Mm-hmm. Is there a typical ritual or process that you go through when when you go down the path of of creating a rendering? Yes. Uh, Besides all of, you know, the administrative parts with the clients, um, the creative process, I'm always looking, always starting off looking for references, you know, 
and and that's mostly in nature. It's another reason why I travel so much. Like I'm always gathering this Rolodex of visuals. And um, so whatever the project is, whether it's in an interior or exterior, depending on the type of day, what type of story we're trying to tell, I'm always looking through photography, even if it's not mine. It could be something on the Internet. You know, I'm always looking for references in nature. Um, That's the first thing I do when it comes to the creative process. Um, Moving on. There's always the part where we're setting up the Photoshop file, but the next thing is just painting, you know, thinking of how that light should be showcased, you know, thinking about how it would look in reality. And, you know, with renderings, it's really recreating, you know, reality or trying to, and our world is not perfect. So it's it's really focusing on, like, for us, it's... Cre- it's um, is focusing on creating those imperfections. So, you know, whether it be, you know, looking at these wooden uh, chairs, you know, like how the edges are a little bit worn, you know, like things like that can tell a story that it has some age or that, you know, these have been moved around. Um, just imperfections like that really are a big focus point for like creating renderings. Uh, so those are probably the the two things that are being focused on, um, you know, with those references. It's a lot of light focus, understanding how light is going to change that scene. Um, so those that's pretty much it. Yeah, those are the main rituals. Got it. Do you have a set of like go-to tools that you use during that process, like gathering inspiration and references and uh, making sure that it's all, you know, packages in one area where you can reference them later? Yes, uh, we have a lot of like Pinterest boards and then there's tons of Lightroom folders that have all the photography of like skies or just different scenarios. So those would be the main two uh, tools that we have for those inspiration. Even Instagram is great. Like Instagram boards works really well too. True. Mm -hmm. So an interesting part about Mm -hmm. this whole process is as creatives, there's constantly uh a back and forth there's rarely a linear process you mm-hmm. know for what we do like we have plans and we kind of can set milestones like you mentioned but uh there's a lot of times where we we things don't turn out the way that we do and we have to adapt so are there any examples of projects that you know didn't go as expected and you either had to pivot or change direction and, and what was the the, le- the lesson learned from that yeah there Every project is different. We have guidelines, but, you know, there's just so many people involved in our projects. You know, so many people making decisions, so many people with opinions. So our process does allow for that. Um, I can even think of an example. Recently, we've had to design a built like take the design from the architect and the developer you know, and put it together into renderings. But, you know, there's times where the architect is very attached to the project and then the developer is not so attached to the building itself, but more so of like the story that the image is telling. So we have those two different opinions coming, you know, and we're trying to get everyone's opinion in. And, you know, it it does add more time to the project and to the creation. And I mean, that's that happens often. Uh, so 
the the end solution is that yeah we do charge for more work outside of our scope um but we try to consolidate everybody's comments together because um, they're coming at different times so we're trying to consolidate them put them together and like make sure everyone's aware on the same page um, in the end you know it, we always end up turned up with a great image everyone is usually happy that's the goal um, just to create like that story um, so it just whenever things like that happen we just have to to really uh, edit and just improve our process and that's really all it is it's just like how long you work with the person you know how often you work with them those like those categories will help determine like the final process got you mm-hmm. so you mainly work with different clients and kind of visualizing whatever concepts they have are there any other projects where you've done it for yourself or you've done it for something that's not necessarily client related uh yeah i'm always creating um i wish i could do more rendering work that wasn't like um commission but when it comes to photography i'm always working on personal projects Uh, for example maybe two years ago i started a personal project of mine just to post every single day for a full year and really the story behind that was that i just felt that I need to share more. I feel like everyone needed to share more to see how how much um, alike we are, how many things in common we have together as a creative and a collective. And so I, I started doing that personal project, which is kind of what led to me joining um, forces with the Google and Team Pixel. Um, I was contacted by a representative from 1000 Heads, and next thing I know, like I'm on Team Pixel. I'm they're providing me with all these gadgets. I'm able to share more, share better quality work with the phone. And, you know, I never expected for any of that to happen, you know, to meet another group of co- uh, creatives, uh, to go on trips with them. It's just been mind blowing. So it showed me the power of like wanting to start of it showed me the power of, of having my own personal projects and and what that can do for things bigger than ourselves. Um, so I'm always focused on stuff like that now. Cool. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit more about that relationship with Google. What, you know, what's been your favorite part about it? What are some of the things that, you know, people on the outside aren't aware that is, you know, awesome on your mm-hmm. end that, that you've experienced with them? Yeah. Uh, besides getting like the latest phones from them, <laughs> which is amazing. <laughs> um, there's a lot of things that they're doing behind the scenes that, I mean, there's even things that I don't even know that they're doing, but um, a lot of the content that people on our team are pushing out, they're making sure that it's seen, you know. Um, just recently, I did um, like a little photo shoot with them to uh, kind of showcase the capabilities of the phone, um, of the night sight mode, you know. These are just amazing things, like having this phone in our hand, which is like also an amazing camera. Um, it's pretty cool to see what what that can do. Uh, so you know, with with Google, they're they're doing a lot of stuff for the team. They're bringing us together in some events, um, also providing us with other other um, accessories and equipment. You know, like the Google Slate, which is like a little i like um, I'll say it's like an iPad similar to that. So, and then also providing us with like the home things. You know, Nest. Um, so 
they're just really supporting like my visual passion. That's what I would sum it up. And it's really nice to have that support. Get you. Um, in going back to the concept of, you know, doing a project and having to shift and adapt to what's going on, has there ever been a decision or a project where you start going down the path and you think it's going to go one way and then you have to completely scrap it or change directions? You know, is there something that you're just like, hey, I thought this was a good idea, but in reality, I tried it and it didn't really work out? Yeah, um, I'm a Gemini and apparently we are really good at just coming up with several ideas and like not fulfilling all of them. Not because we're like not passionate, but just because we just our minds just go everywhere. So I have tons of projects in my mind, but I learned, you know, years ago that we're like, I believe that we're not meant to do everything. So, you know, there's, I know I've had the idea of, you know, creating a YouTube, but then I was like, why, you know? And I'm actually currently fulfilling the idea of like becoming a teacher, which but I want to do more like hands-on, one-on-one training, teaching people how to use their cameras, teaching people how to take photos with their phones and just things like that. Um, that's one big project that I'm actually just finishing. I did. I taught my first class yesterday, which is amazing. Um, and another project was just like getting artwork on walls because we're always creating, you know, everyone's got phones. Mostly people have their phone and they're posting on Instagram and creating cool art. But it's like, where does it go? You know, I wanted to inspire people like having that on the wall. So I was able to connect with um, uh, Canvas Fab and they were we connected and they created like a limited edition with me. So that was a big goal for me. Um, but there's a lot of other small projects that I've I've had and they just haven't been fulfilled. But or they've transformed into other things that I'm doing today. Yeah. Cool. So you mentioned about the education side of things and how you're looking to be more involved in creating educational content or courses mm-hmm. and different things that can help provide value to, you know, different audiences specifically mm-hmm. in your field. Um, it seems to be a trend amongst creatives that uh, there's this shift of a lot of them wanting to give back and wanting to provide some sort of educational mm-hmm. uh, opportunities. Um I don't know if that has to say with like the education system right now that mm. there's some sort of lacking, you know, pieces that need to be filled. Mm. Um, what's your take on that in terms of how you were educated? Did you feel that you took away enough for you to apply to your day to day or how much have you learned in, you know, the real life, real world experience mm. that you now feel like is something that you want to provide back to to people? Yeah, that's a good question. Um in school, I mean, I had an amazing visual communication design instructor, Joshua Piersanti. He taught me, like, all the basics of Adobe programs, which was extremely helpful. Um, I learned, I would say I learned a lot of that in school, but um, I learned much more in the workforce, in the workplace, uh, in the corporate workplace. Uh, I've actually only been in the corporate workplace for, let's see, I think it was like five years. Yeah, about five or six years. So most people wouldn't say that's that much. Um, For me, it felt like a long time. But um, I learned so much during those years. 
And I couldn't have learned that stuff. I don't think I could have learned that in school. Um, I think most of the software knowledge I learned in school, but like how to use it in different ways, how to use it in a professional way, how to use it in a more um, concise and like quick way. I learned that mostly in the workplace. I just had the great opportunity to work with really talented people. So that taught me a lot about that. Um, with the education system today, uh, a lot of people are not really believing in it. Um, when it comes to creatives, it's tough. Um, I really think it just depends on your instructor. I feel like I, I, will, I would want to be the instructor to like teach all of these people how to use these programs, how to use their mind, you know, how to create with their own style. Um, yeah, that's that, that's my goal when it comes to teaching. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I'm not really familiar with today's education when it comes to the creative software and creative industry. But I see a lot of these companies like Creative Live and then I see, you know, Teachable and Skillshare people are teaching on there. And even yesterday when I when I taught the, my first class, um, I really didn't know that there are so many people out there that don't know basics of like photography. And I didn't know that many people want to know that. So it excites me for opportunities to, to teach more. So that's, that's my new goal. <laughs> cool. Do you have a preferred method of learning? Like some people are very visual. Other ones are very like hands-on. Other people can learn from reading. I'm, I'm more visual. Um, but I, I'm I'm also hands on at the same time. Like if I see somebody do something, I can learn it in that way. But it becomes like unconscious when I'm like doing it hands on. It's the same with renderings now. Like I have a vision, and I just go in, and I'm just in another world while I'm creating that. Like I don't consciously think about, oh well, this space is too dark. Let me lift up the shadows or. In a photo, the light would come in from this direction, so it would hit off this and reflect this. Like, I don't think about it in that way. I'm more so, like, just in the moment. It's, it's unconscious now because I was just hands-on with this so much. So, yeah, I'm a little bit of both. Cool. Are there any specific areas or, like, cur curriculum-based information that you, you plan on educating people on? Like, is there already a concept that you have in place, or are you just still in the conceptual phase uh the my two main focuses right now would be uh mobile photography and then also like dslr and mirrorless photography teaching people the basics of like what exposure is um, what f-stops are what shutter speed is things like that i want people to know because when i learned like it changed my whole world with photography i took a crash course um back in dc for two days and it just introduced me to like what f-stop is what exposure is and it just left me wanting more so after that i feel like other people would have that same experience they get a little taste you know and then they just want to go and see what they can create you know so and in addition um i would love to really like do one-on-one -on -one training with people to see those people who like are experienced photographers or like they have taken photos, but they just don't know like the technical aspects and how to create. They don't know like their niche. They don't know what they're really good at. I would love to review their portfolios, you know, 
and go through that with them and show them how to improve that and to achieve their goals visually. Get you. Um, kind of on the same topic of education, there's this recurring theme of people asking about, should I seek a mentor? Mm. Uh, do I need a mentor? Uh, have you had any of those people in your life? And, and are there any that you would like to, you know, shout out or talk about that have helped you? Yeah, definitely. Um, my The first uh, the first guy who hired me in the architectural visualization industry, his name is Jarek Bieda. He's from Poland. Um, he actually has his own visualization firm now, but he was like extremely important in my career path. I look up to him as a mentor right now. And, you know, we stay in touch. We talk about visualization. He's helped guide me to, you know, having my own visualization business, my own virtual studio. And I I do recommend people to get a mentor in their industry. You know, I'm a big fan of just people coming together to create um, I feel like we can't do it by ourselves. I don't think we're meant to do it by ourselves. I think it's great to have someone that you can talk to who's been there or just someone maybe who's in a different industry who can be a reference for you or just an ear to listen to what you have planned and what you're doing. So I I would recommend people who need someone like that to get a mentor. I mean, I still have one. And I plan on, you know, being in connection with Yark for a long time. So, Cool. In terms of your specific craft and, I guess, title that you give yourself, it seems like there's a lot of different sub, you know, positions that you're kind of looping into one. Mm-hmm. And it seems like in the creative field that's becoming more and more common where you're seeing someone who has a design background and photography and rendering and mm-hmm. all these different disciplines coming into one. What's your position on that as, you know, is it something that you see as sustainable to be someone that's multidisciplinary and and go and focus on several crafts that can somehow be combined? Or do you see the value of someone just sticking to one thing and, and going forward with, with that path? Yeah, ideally it would be the latter, like sticking with one. Um, I've even tried to do that for myself. I just can't. <laughs> I have too much passion for visualization in 3D rendering. But with 3D rendering, I wouldn't understand it if I did not understand photography. So learning photography helped me become a better visualizer, a better 3D render. Um, so I guess I would say if... If people have that choice to just do one thing, that would be amazing. But if they need other skill sets to become better at it, why not, you know, learn more? Um, You can still push yourself forward as this one thing, but you have the background of the other skills which are helping you become a better whatever you're wanting to be. I think I I would prefer that um, rather than being like a jack of all trades, you know, type of person. And again, like, I feel like we're not meant to do everything. Like, I feel like we're only meant to do a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, just in general, that's how I feel. So, Yeah, I, I kind of have the same sentiment. I, I'm more on the side of I encourage people when they're younger to try out as much mm-hmm. as possible, to see yeah. what they like and they don't like. Yeah. And, and I think over the course of time, you, you kind of realize that you have to start refining and focusing if you really want to start being mm-hmm. really good at something. 
Um, yeah. Obviously, there is like freaks of nature, like <laughs> Donald Glover, who can、yeah. you know do comedy, do music,、mm-hmm. do you know cinematography. Yeah, a director, like he could he could go in a bunch of directions, but that's not for everyone. Yeah, but I do see the value in having at least understanding in these different craft areas that could loop into your you、mm-hmm. know your final work. Exactly. Yeah. So. Let's go back to the projects you're working on. Is there anything exciting that's coming up that you can talk about? I know there's things that you you're still under wraps, but、mm-hmm. is there anything that you're really excited that you want to share with us?、Uh, let me think.、Uh, um, well, it comes to rendering. There's just a lot of NDAs out there. <laughs>、um, I guess the the one that I can talk about, I kind of mentioned it before, is the Nativo Austin and Airbnb project. That's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, in terms of、um, like photography, it's more so like the educational side. I'm actually doing a couple things with Airbnb right now. We have two experiences where people, anyone, can book us and become like an Instagram star for a day. That's one, and then another one is actually the same thing, but it's with a DSLR. So we're doing one mobile. And one、um, with the pro or prosumer camera.、Um, so it, with those experiences, we're teaching people how to pose. We're teaching people how to like look good in the camera without telling them to smile. It's more lifestyle poses, very casual.、Um, anyone can do it.、Uh, so that's something that I'm a personal project that I've been doing.、Um, in addition,、um, with that, the photographers that are shooting with that, they are like. Beginner to medium level photographers, and so they're also learning how to become better photographers. So I'm kind of training them, and then also training the models. So that's like a, my personal project that I'm, you know, I spend a lot of time doing that just to pay it forward. I would say, and these photographers now that they're, they're making their own income, you know, they're making more than their their side jobs with the photography. So I'm really happy about that,、um, you know. I'm trying to just make more time for myself, so with that project, I'm kind of passing it on to the photographers so they can run it、um, with、uh, with the business. That's going great, and I'm able to manage the team and also be a creator at the same time.、Um, but other projects, it's just that shift, you know, to spreading it to more than just my local like family. I want to make it bigger. I'm I'm joining forces with you know communities that are close by, just learning how I can help.、Um, so that's really my focus right now. Is like now that I'm shifted to this new neighborhood, it's like how can I like be that force, be that person that everyone knows. Okay, Aziz is here, and when we're like he's a visualist, he's here to help like the community. You know, so I'm really focused on that mindset right now. Got it. Um, yeah, I think that mostly wraps it up. Is there some somewhere where people can find you? Instagram website? Definitely.、Um, you can all reach out to me on Instagram,、uh, which is my name. It's spelled A Z E E Z dot B A K A A R E. Or you can go to my website. Same thing, azizbakari dot com. A Z E E Z B A K A R E dot com.、Um, those are the spaces you can find me mostly. Cool. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, for real. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's、no、awesome.
Thank you so much for listening. This is a new creative challenge for myself, and it would be awesome to hear any of your feedback and suggestions to improve the podcast. So if you know of any local creatives I should interview or topics I should discuss, let me know. Also, be sure to subscribe and share this with anyone that may find value from it. And lastly, you can follow us on Instagram for updates and upcoming episodes. Thanks again.